Hi, friends. Welcome back to Practicing Faith with Nate and Tucker. Today, we're going to be looking at First and Second Peter. And Peter is like the OG here. Like he is always pretty much faithful. Um, the, he has his moments, his ups and downs. He's human. But Jesus nicknames him the rock. He walks on water. His very shadow heals ill people. He knows what he is talking about. And for us Latter-day Saints who have grown up on a steady diet from the Book of Mormon, that if you are righteous, then you will prosper in the land, he has an interesting message for us. He seems to, to focus a little bit more on something, like you'll see it right there in the beginning of, of chapter 1, verse 7. He says, the trial of your faith is much more precious than gold. And he has this whole idea that suffering is actually going to be a pretty natural state for saints here. Tucker, talk me through what you see here in this. Oh, yeah. I This time reading through these these epistles, like I, I saw Peter through a different lens than I ever have before. And that lens is like, this man is suffering, um, but suffering in a different way. Maybe, maybe we've talked about this before, um, but there's a quote pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Um, meaning the way I would describe that is like, we're all going to have pain in our lives. But the suffering, at least in that quote, is talking about when we resist the pain, and we like, fight it, we fight it, or we try to flee from it, and neither of those work. And so the pain just hangs around. And uh, maybe it's through a grudge, or maybe it's through um, something that's happened in our past that we can't let go of. And uh, that kind of suffering is optional. So when when Peter's using this word, I think he's using it more like pain in that quote. There is going to be pain from following the path of Christ. And it's going to come from some surprising sources sometimes. I see Peter, who is leading the church, suffering at the hands of the church. And that, I would imagine, uh, would be surprising to Peter. And uh, oftentimes, it's surprising to people in the church. I remember, if it's okay if I share something personal, I remember going through my own personal faith crisis years ago. And at a time where I was in the bishopric in my ward, and I was studying some really complex church history stuff for my Ph.D., and I would, I had to start testimony meeting. So I got up to the pulpit and I said, uh, you know, I'm studying some, some really complex stuff in church history. And it's a lot more difficult than I ever knew it was. Um, but I believe that God can help us get through things that are seemingly impossible. That was like the extent of the testimony that I could muster that day. And I went and sat down. Glad that I had found something I could share and like testify of, right? And my sweet ward, I really think they were trying to help. But people started to get up to the microphone and be like, oh, there's no reason to doubt anything about our church history, right? I know with every fiber of my being that this and this and this. And then they would testify of things. And I think from their perspective, they were like reaching their arms out, trying to pull me back in and and, you know, it was an act of love and of faith that they were doing. But from my perspective, 
Oh my goodness. I started to suffer pain sitting on the stand because I was like, oh, they don't want me here. Like my actual experience right now is not welcome in this setting. And I started to suffer. And again, I'm not blaming the ward members. They were actually doing it out of best intents. But I started to suffer at the hands of, well, I won't even say at their hands. I started to suffer as a result of that situation that I was in, in a way that I didn't know how to deal with yet. And Peter, you can see through these books that he is suffering as a follower of Christ. And he's suffering at the hands of church members and non-church members as well. But listen how he talks about this suffering. He says things like this. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. And think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Like, he, he has learned to suffer at the hands of church members that are also trying to follow Christ. And this gets very complex of how that can happen in the same body of Christ. But he's counting it joy. He's counting it happiness. And he says, again, if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And I just love, Nate, that he's able to hold this pain and happiness at the same time. He doesn't have to like throw one out and uh, like throw the, he doesn't have to leave the church. He doesn't have to leave the body of the saints. He doesn't have to get away from the suffering to find happiness. He can hold both at the same time, which like we talked about last week with James, that is just a, a really mature, deeply spiritual person that can hold both of those together. And I think part of why he is able to do that is, is his trust and confidence in the redemption of Jesus Christ. He says later in, in chapter 5, verse 7, that we can cast all our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. The love that radiates from Jesus Christ, G Peter has experienced. And so he is able to sense in the situation where there is cruelty or meanness or trials that there is an ultimate steadying hand. And he saw Jesus go through this himself. And Peter was one of the ones who went further into the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus and was able to see him walk away a stone's throw before he fell on his face, facing, absorbing the suffering and, and taking it. So he's seen this modeled. And, and therefore, I think he, he's able to, to take a perspective that is bigger, longer, um, further, however you want to say it, than, than that immediate situation. I think sometimes we begin to suffer because we focus so immediately on that thing, that moat in our eye begins to grow to cover our whole vision. Um, when some a, a little bit of an expansive view could, could maybe help. Like in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he says that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day so he's talking about like this idea of not only holding these things but the methodology that helps him to hold those things and i think that perspective of christ um and his suffering and how he faced it and how he can give that suffering to christ 
and who God is and the, the epic scope of those things. I think those two tools seem to help Peter with that. And do you see anything different or anything else you would say on that, Tucker? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think um, we're seeing a different Peter than we saw in Gethsemane, right? Especially right after Gethsemane when the guards come up to take Jesus away and here comes the pain, right? And Peter takes out his sword and he chops off the servant's ear, right? And uh, But then he watches Christ hold the pain, allow the pain, feel the pain, and not fight back against it. And, and even heal it, right? Absolutely. Even heal it. That's a great point. So, yeah, we're seeing that Peter has deepened in his understanding of how to confront inevitable pain, which it's inevitable wherever you're at, whatever scope of life or whatever stage of life you're in, wherever you're at, there is pain there. And these mature disciples are showing us in the scriptures, hey, we can hold that and be deeply happy and joyful at the same time, which is super rad way to live life. In fact, it's the only really deeply fulfilling way to live, live life that there is unless we're going to try to run away from it and find fulfillment away from pain. And there's pain embedded in that too. Right. Right. So are there any other things or, or uh, places you want to take us to in these books to, to help us gain perspective here on this? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a verse in first Peter chapter two that let's read together. First uh, Peter two, two, he says, as well, let's start in verse one. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, he can you can hear him saying, just kind of stepping out of the natural man. And then verse two, he says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I love this phrase that ye may grow. Um I feel like Peter is landing on a really big purpose that we have here in life. Our purpose is to grow, is to keep progressing, is to become something, as Elder Oak said in his talk, The Challenge to Become, right? It, we are here um, to keep moving. And I was at a, a devotional uh, today where... Isaac Thomas, he he's a black member of the church that joined the church in 1972, uh, six years before the the blacks received the priesthood and the and were allowed to receive temple ordinances uh, or their endowments, right? And so Brother Thomas told the story kind of like uh, in his own way of suffering at the hands of church members, right? And uh, he told. A time when he had a church calling and a church member told him, well, it's too bad you can't receive inspiration to have help with your church calling because you don't have the priesthood. And, oh, I mean, the church member, I think, was probably trying to be very sincere and, you know, compassionate in their own way. But the way it came across to Brother Thomas just kind of broke my heart there and I could see him suffering from it. And. But what I saw this man do is just reach for God, not put his, his faith in the humans, in the arm of the flesh, but I saw him grow. 
And as he told this story, as he stuck with it and and uh, just put his shoulder to the wheel, if you would, and learned to connect with God on a deep level, even when he was having a hard time connecting with humans, he just grew. And I just witnessed a, a beautiful disciple of Christ going through the story. And what I think this does, Nate, is it kind of evens the playing field for all of humanity. Wherever we're at in our lives, all of us have the opportunity to grow from where we are. That's never going to be taken away from us. From children to the elderly, to people that are suffering with illness, to people that like life seems to be serving everything up perfectly on a platter, right? And you seem to be prospering. But wherever any of us stand, we all have a next step that we can take toward growth. And it probably includes discomfort and pain and difficulty in some way. Would you agree with that, Nate, that uh, that's just a useful way to look at life? Yeah, I, I really do think that the highest spiritual path is life itself. And embedded in that life is going to be the your own personal difficulties and how we we deal with them um, really is going to determine our growth. Fear, the natural man, fear, however you want to think about it, will get us to avoid situations that create growth because change is scary and difficult and tricky. Um, but if we can develop some tools some disciple tools, uh, which is, I think, practicing faith right here in real life, then we'll be able to, to face uh, some of those personal difficulties and pass through these difficulties and be transformed by them. On the other hand, if we're always running them or fighting them, that experience never has a chance to transform us, to terraform our souls, to um, build into us a, a new way of being here. And so I like Peter's invitation on how we can approach real life in a way that that creates godhood within us, that that nurtures the seeds of sons and daughters of God that are already present, rather than just I want to stay how I am right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Peter is showing us that it, we can lean into pain, but as long as we trust something much deeper than our own flesh, as long as we're not trying to grow out of our own grit and our own efforts, but we're growing by giving ourselves up to the greater power of God, then, then things really change. And I think that takes some of the fear out of the, the discomfort and the pain for me. Uh, let me share two more verses that, that come up for me here. He says in 1 Peter 1, 23 and 24, he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass and of the glory of man as the flower of the, and the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. So Peter is pointing out the temporariness of the flesh, even of the physical world in a lot of ways. Uh, and Nate, you you mentioned earlier the thousand years uh, to to us is as a day to God, right? Sometimes people have you know taken that and tried to put it on a timeline and figure out when the second coming is coming. And I I don't know if Peter's I mean bless them maybe they're right. 
but uh, I don't know if Peter's trying to communicate anything specific as far as just kind of letting go into this higher power that sees from a holy, a holy and a much more um, whole perspective than we do. And it can take away some of that pain and fear of stepping into growth and trusting that God's power can, can grow us in ways that we can't under our own power. I just want to reemphasize that. I think sometimes as Latter-day Saints, we emphasize so much that we are sons and daughters of God. I am a child of God. That, that we make God seem so near, we forget how far and powerful he is. And I don't mean to say far as in distance or unachievable, but the difference between us and him is great. Like we are talking about a being who like creates not only this world, but an entire universe from what we can tell it is expanding still. The scope, the majesty, the awe, the extension is just absolutely tremendous. And this is part of the scale I think that Peter is expressing with this thousand years as one day is just the type of being that we can cast our cares upon. This is a type of being who our cares are known and can be dealt with. We don't have to be our own little mini gods here, like trying to hold back the mighty Missouri River with our puny arms. We can trust in a being that, that is so far beyond and so expansive and so great um, that, that really that flow can push us through trials in a way that, that is really, I think, helpful. Nate, I agree. That's so beautiful and well, so well said. Uh, I heard something recently from a teacher named Shinzen Young that he was giving a perspective that was really helpful for me, speaking of looking from God's higher time perspective. Uh, he said, imagine the mountains, you know, that we usually use as a symbol of everything that's solid and, and just unchangeable. Imagine a mountain. Let's have you picture your favorite mountain that you like to admire or that you can picture in your mind. And imagine that mountain, if you could take a picture of that mountain once every thousand years. And then you took each of those pictures and played them back over the course of millions of years. Imagine what that mountain would look like in real time. Played back with 30 frames per second. So 30,000 years each second. That thing that seems to be so solid and immovable would have a flow to it. It might look like something rising from the ground. It might, if you could zoom out from that mountain and surrounding mountains, you might see something like the ripples in water, or you might see just a gentle wave rise and recede. But what seems so solid to us from God's perspective, his perspective of time and space probably has a flow to it very different than the way we experience it from our limited perspective in time and space. And so, Nate, let's let's go ahead and jump into a practice if we can with this and follow Peter's lead and practice trusting in this greater power, this flow that emanates from God's power and let it work in our lives. So as we always do with practices, go ahead and take a 
Take a moment to settle in. Take a deep breath. And on the out breath, just completely relax your body. If you have the option to close your eyes right now, just close your eyes and allow yourself to be fully present in this moment. Bring your attention to inside your body on the out breath for a few deep breaths. If there's any tension there, go ahead and release that tension on the out breath. And on the in breath, just allow yourself to feel the joy of being alive. And on the out breath, relax fully. Perhaps starting at the top of your head and let a wave of relaxation go from the top of your head all the way down your body to your toes and to the ends of your fingertips as you breathe out. And do that a couple of more times just to allow yourself to become embodied and relaxed. Fully present in this moment. Now we'll do a little visualization. We've done this in the past, in past episodes. We'll start this. Just imagine that you're looking at, at the earth from a distance, but not so, so much of a distance that you can't see the, the mountains, the topography of it. Maybe you're several miles up in the air and you can see mountains and rivers and canyons. And allow yourself to just picture time sped up so those mountains and those rivers are rising and falling and flowing and changing. And as you picture that movement, allow yourself to feel lighter on the inside of your body feel a flow inside of you and recognize any flowing sensations that seem to have that same characteristic of ebb and flow, rise and fall, expanding and contracting. And now let's do a brief visualization of your own life. Let's imagine that one picture was taken of you every, every month of your life and then played back 30 frames per second. So that's 30 months is one second. And as you picture yourself growing and progressing and experiencing from infancy to childhood through teenage years into adulthood. Notice that same flow, the rise, the fall, the ups, the downs, the ebbs and flows flowing through your life.
is we tend to fixate on a moment and become troubled and fearful and anxious. Allow yourself to let go of anything that wants to pin you down in fear or make you worry about a certain moment that it's unconquerable. And instead, allow a flow and perspective of time to flow right through the moments and be able to see that God can work in and through you and with you and around you despite those moments that we seem to get stuck in in our minds. And return to that feeling of flow inside your body. See if you can recognize that familiar flow that goes through all of creation, all of earth, all the mountains, the rivers, the streams, the oceans, all of time and your own life. And know and recognize that this flow that you feel in you here and now connects you to God, to all things, all beings, and all of time. And you can rest in faith and assurance that this all-powerful being, as you trust in him, can help you in the ebbs and flows, guide you, can direct your life far better than you could ever direct your life through your own efforts or strength. Allow yourself to feel connected to a greater presence, a greater strength, a greater power that comes from beyond you. And allow peace to rise inside of you as you connect to that flow and rely on that strength. And even when difficult things come, even when there's suffering, even when there's reproach, even when there's difficulties like Peter experienced, as Peter said, happy are ye when you suffer for Christ. When you suffer, you can still simultaneously hold the joy and experience the flow through suffering, through happiness, through ebbs, through flows. Because God is with you. Feel the trust inside of you. Let go of your need to control or 
direct your life the way you think it should go and release into a higher power. Ultimately, only the really, the only real power in the universe. And if your mind wanders, just bring it back to this trust and the feeling of flowing with the Spirit and with God. And letting the peace grow and engulf you. And if you'd like to extend this practice, feel free to pause it. Otherwise, we'll wrap up here and wish for all of our listeners that you can feel that God is with you, that all will be well, and that even with the, all of the ups and downs, the difficulties, as we trust in him, he will direct our paths. We'll catch you next time.